Hi friends, this is Connie Alpers and I want to welcome you back to Equip to Be, where I get to help you embrace and navigate the seasons of life so you can reach your personal family and parenting goals. We at Equip to Be want you to understand how God has given you unique gifts, strengths, and talents so that you can live in all seasons with confidence and joy. Whether you're cooking dinner, holding laundry, or maybe just enjoying some time alone. I hope you enjoy this episode of Equipped to Be. Welcome to Equipped to Be. I'm your host, Connie Albers. I hope you have been enjoying the show. Thanks for joining us today. You're so faithful to tune in every week. Make sure you always tell a friend to join us. We would love to minister to your friends and family. You can listen together, but just share the podcast with them. Oh, and also, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast. You're listening to your favorite player right now. We have multiple places where you can hear the podcast, and we're working on a couple of new fun projects that I frankly can't wait to share with you. But as I travel around the country and internationally, some of the things that I am often asked, and it's largely because my children are grown, there is this whole thing about how do you raise godly kids? How do you raise kids that love Jesus? How do you raise kids that don't walk away from the church? And I'm asked this question all the time, and I find it interesting. So today, we're going to kind of dive into what can you do to nurture that spiritual development in your children? Can you raise a godly kid, or do you raise a kid that knows God, or maybe knows all about God, a lot about God, because you do devotions all the time, every day. You go to church all the time, maybe twice a week. They're involved in youth sports. They're involved in Bible studies. They have daily Bible time. Does that guarantee your children are going to have that transfer of head knowledge to heart knowledge? That they're not just filled with a bunch of information with no relationship? We used to say, my husband and I used to say, there is a difference between a religion and a relationship with a living God. There are things you can do, but I will say this. I'm going to say this from the outset, and I know I'm going to hear from you, because there's a lot of ministries out there that basically tell you this is the steps to do it, and I'm just not to put anybody down, but for our children to make the transfer from a religion and knowing about God, all His attributes, how good He is, knowing all about Him the three-in-one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, for them to know doesn't translate into them having an active living walk with the Lord. Because as children, our children often make professions of faith. They often proclaim, I love Jesus. I love God. I love going to church. And we delight in that. I delight in that. And then they hit middle school and they start asking some more questions, hard questions. Maybe they're doubting. Maybe they can't quite figure out some things, and you know, you're frankly going, well, you know, I don't have all the answers. Or they read a passage in the Bible, and it doesn't make sense, or it conflicts with what they hear their friends saying. Maybe it even conflicts with what they hear from the church. And they hit the high school years, and they really might start doubting the existence of God or the power in his life. Friends, I just can't express how often I hear from mamas of teenagers and college kids and adult children whose kids say, yeah, well, about that religion thing, I just, I'm not buying it. 
that works for you. And thanks for taking me to church, and thanks for all the fun that we had in the youth camps. But yeah, I'm going to take a hard pass on that. When your kids are little and they're expressing eagerness and enthusiasm, sometimes we can think that this is good, that they're going to stay in this place, but they don't always. And then if we think we had anything to do with it because we did these steps, we read our Bible to them every day, we had them do copy work every day, we went to church every week, and we somehow think that that was the magic, the secret sauce, we're deceiving ourselves. Does it matter? Absolutely. But if it was everything, then why do people who were never raised in the church or who have parents that were rather abusive, how do they come into a deep, loving relationship with a living God? How do you explain that? Was that a fluke? No. It's a living God that works in the hearts and minds of each of us, even our kids. You know, teaching and training children is no small task. As you know, through the podcast here at Equipped to Be, I'm often asked, Connie, what resources can I trust? What curriculum is available? What resources can I use that have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview? That's why I'm delighted to say that BJU Press Homeschool has partnered with Equipped to Be. Why do I like them? I've known the folks over at BJU Press for a long time. And actually, we even used in our homeschool journey many of the products. What I like about it is the worldview of your textbooks can actually dramatically impact the outcome of your homeschool journey and the way your children see, feel, and process the world around them. It could change their view of the world they're living in. They're taught from a biblical worldview, so you can trust them. The lessons that they have in the curriculum encourage critical thinking, and we know it's important to be able to rightly divide truth, to be able to see something that is true and right and good and evil. We have to have that discernment. They also have activities and lessons to support multisensory learning. They're structured on the best educational practices. Now, this is important. It's why we are delighted that BJU Press Homeschool has come alongside ETB so that we can help you in raising your children for the kingdom that makes an impact. It can even change the world. So check it out. You can go to bjupresshomeschool.com for more information. So we're going to dive into a topic that many of you, you're used to me giving you tips and inspiration and stuff, but this is going to be a topic that I know I hear on the road, and I am currently out on the road all over the place, and parents are concerned about their children. And I think about my grandbabies, and I think about this world, and I think about my kids, and they're navigating and living and trying to make a living and live life. And it's constant sabotage and bombardment and undermining and doubts and ridicule and mocking. But there are some things that you can do and that I would just say you should do. Because in Deuteronomy, God clearly says, teach and train your children in the way they should go. You're teaching them and training them in the way they should go. You can't force them and drive them, but you teach them in the way they should go. And there's a, another part to that, so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. I know there's many of you listening, your children have departed from it. They have signed off they have said, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in your faith. I don't believe that's the way God is. If God were this, they say all of it. And your heart is left wondering, what didn't I do? 
What could I have done more of? I, I just want to first say, it was your job to teach and train your children in the way they should go. And guess what? It's the Lord's job to draw them to himself. Did you hear me? It's your job to actively teach and train them. And if they depart, if they walk away, it doesn't mean forever. It may mean just for right now, but it doesn't mean forever. But while your children are in your home, while you are actively instructing and teaching and training them, you need to understand this and write it down. Type it on your phone. You are the primary influence in your child's life. That's why our families are under such attack. That's why I have been getting more vocal, because I see it more and more and more. It's been like this. Families have always been under attack. It's just more overt now. It's more perverted. They're more blatant. They're not even as secretive. They whisper in your children's ear, and they turn them against you. But don't, for a second, think that you don't have influence. You are responsible for the moral and the spiritual development of your children. You're responsible for that. Not the church, not the youth group leader, not the Sunday school teacher, not the Christian school that your kids go to, not the co-op leaders. You are. So if you aren't teaching your children what matters, if you're not owning up to your part, it makes it much more difficult on your children. But you can help cultivate that, that enthusiasm, that eagerness for your child's spiritual growth and development. See, what we model to our children, they see, and they will oftentimes replicate. They'll say, oh, well, this is how we live life. Just like this is how I share my toys, and this is how I eat healthy, and this is how we clean our house. They're watching you. Do you spend time? Do they see you spend time reading God's word? Do they see you practicing the disciplines of living a godly life? Or do you say one thing and do another? They're watching and they're taking note. See, it's the work of the Holy Spirit that changes our children's lives. But God uses you to help point our children to Him. It's a beautiful picture. See, we can enthusiastically cultivate their spiritual growth and development. And there are a few things that are pretty integral to that. And that is the routines and the activities that you do as a family. What disciplines have you baked into your lives? Do you have a time, whether it's a time at the dinner table where you read God's word together, or, or maybe you have a couple minutes in the morning and you read a verse or you put a verse on the refrigerator, or your kids have, if they're older, they have their own quiet times. Do you bake in, in the daily practices of life, the importance of God in your lives, your need for the Lord to lead and direct you? helps them to see, well, if mom and dad, who are the most smartest people until they hit teen years, and then of course you're not, but if you are saying this is important, oh, it must be important. Let's go back to that statement. You are the primary influence in your child's life, unless of course you abdicate it to somebody else, intentionally or unintentionally, because you weren't kind of looking at what was going on. You weren't surveying the land, so to speak. The next is, do you talk about the Lord? Do you have conversations? When they have hard questions and you're tucking them in at night and you're saying prayers or you're, maybe that's when you have devotions with a child and you do it individually. 
Do you take time for those conversations, for their curiosity, for their doubt, for maybe their unbelief, maybe just something that doesn't make sense to them? So first, are you modeling it? Then what rituals and activities do you do to show them that it matters? Is bringing up the Lord just a prayer before we eat? Or do we actually have conversations? They don't have to be. For some of your children, they'll be deep. And the older they get, the deeper they usually become. Because more questions they have. They become more logical. Some things just don't make sense. And, and they have a hard time grappling with, if God is so good, why, why do all these bad things happen? Those are real honest questions. And they deserve your time. Whether you re have to research it, whether you have to pull out some study tools to learn for yourself so you can answer your children. See, sometimes our growth is encouraged because of our children, because we want to be able to answer the questions they have, the hard questions they have. And so that kind of causes us to then do some research ourselves. But the importance of parents talking about the Lord on a daily basis, how the goodness of God, how when you see an accident and as you're driving, you just tell the kids, hey, let's pray for whoever's in that accident because they've just had a really bad day. And they may be hurt, and somebody may have been killed. Let's just pray for them. Or you see somebody that's uh, homeless, and we all see that. You just pray for them. They have a story. We want to keep our kids' hearts empathetic towards the plight of others. And part of that is through observation and, and modeling and talking about, asking the Lord to meet them in their place of need. Because kids just naturally want to know more about God. You go outside, and you can't help but marvel at the different colored leaves on the trees, or the different types of grass, or the different types of bugs, or animals, or clouds. See, creation bears his name. They see it everywhere. And like I said about modeling, living in a religious home doesn't guarantee your children will come to know the Lord. It just means they'll know a lot about God. It has to go a little further, a lot further, actually. Because if it stops there, then all they have is a bunch of knowledge, but they don't have the depth of relationship. Are you affirming? When your kids do ask questions, do you encourage them or do you mock them? And you may be thinking, oh, no, nobody would ever do that. Yeah, we kind of do sometimes. Oh, you learned that last week. Oh, we talked about this two months ago. Well, they may have forgotten, or they may have been mulling over some things, or they may have had a conversation with someone that you weren't privy to. But those experiences that our children have with others, with our practices within our home, as the conversations happen organically and sometimes not organically, maybe we see some things going on in our children and we pause for a bit to talk to them about it. Hey, I've noticed this is going on or I've noticed that when we do have our Bible study time or when we do have our devotions, I notice that you're kind of tuned out. You're looking out the window, you're slumped over, you're showing me with your body language, this just isn't really interesting to you. Hey, let's talk about that and approach that with truly a willingness to hear what's going on. This I promise. If you don't, if you come at them with a, we've already talked about this, you're being disobedient, you're being defiant, you're not doing what I asked you to do. If you do those practices, guess what? That's not going to draw them towards the Lord. It's also not going to make them want to share what struggles they actually might be having. Remember what I said. 
knowing about something doesn't mean you actually know it. It just means you know a lot about it. You studied it. But it's what do we do with it? How does it impact our lives, our heart, our thinking? There is a lot of research out there that does talk about what the parents do and the parental styles of encouraging them, leading them, guiding them, helping them, shaping, molding, helping them think through hard things, hard questions, hard situations. Just don't underestimate the rituals that you have within your family. Like maybe you celebrate a holiday in a certain way and you take that time to explain What's the real reason that we celebrate this particular holiday? Is it all about, you know, bunnies and Christmas trees? Or is there more? Do we care about others because we're just empathetic people? Or do we care about others because God says to care for others? Always come back to the why of what's important and what God's word says. Don't make learning about the Lord and his goodness a task or a school subject, or just something that has to be done because we're good parents or because we should. Make it fun. Make it creative. God is a creative God. Have you looked around lately? Spark some imagination and some thoughts. And I want you to practice, what if? What if there weren't whales? What if there weren't these certain types of bugs What if there weren't all this variety of trees? How boring life would be. And always point to the fact that all that is and all that they see, God said was good. And point them back to the goodness and the holiness of the Lord. Don't underestimate the impact that you have through your conversations, through your worship, through your prayer, through your daily disciplines, whether it's journaling God's word, but God's word tells us to hide his word in our heart so we might not sin against him. Teach your children to memorize God's word. They will draw on that knowledge for the rest of their life. They're not going to pick it up by osmosis. They're not going to pick it up because you make them. They may journal, but if there's a heart of resentment because you're forcing something instead of lovingly bringing them to it, that will stay with them. That doesn't have to be. See, you do have an enormous role to play, not just in teaching and training your kids how to clean the house, how to clean the toilet, how to you know, do yard work, how to work, how to manage a budget, how to be responsible, how to stay focused. I mean, all those things are great. And yes, we're teaching everything. But the most important thing we're teaching our kids is how to have a relationship with God. He is our rock. He is our fortress. He is the one we run to in times of trouble. And tell, I tell you what, many of us, and I say us, because trouble comes, trials come, and we want our children to have a firm foundation to be able to withstand the trials and the storms that face us and face them. And they will, with you as their model, with you building in routines and activities, taking them to church, surrounding them by people, teaching them God's word, talking about it as you go, as you walk by the way, and as the kids lay down at night. The rewards and the yield are heavenly. They're profound. And that's going to be one of the greatest legacies that you will pass on to your kids. 
Yes, there's a lot of principles. There's a lot of values. We talk a lot about all of that stuff. But all of that stuff without the most important thing. Yes, it helps them get through the day, but we want to give them more to be able to stand. When the sand shifts, the rocks start to shake, uncertain days come, fear can rain, but it doesn't have to be because you're giving them a firm foundation. I know this was more of a heavy topic, friends, but difficult days require difficult conversations. And after all, we are equipped to be doers of God's word. And one of the things he has called us to do is to teach and train our children in the way they should go so that when they are old, they will not depart from it. And if you're in a season where your children have, don't give up hope because God's still working. He's still on the throne and he's still in control. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Equipped to Be, and we'll see you next week. Well, that wraps up this episode of Equipped to Be. If you enjoyed this show, please share it with a friend or family member and hit subscribe so you don't miss a show. And thank you again for joining me. Remember that we are equipped for every season of life.